So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and I'm so excited that you're here. We've got a great podcast in store for you today because we're going to be talking about really how to analyze apartment deals. And this is going to be very key into your success, into how to make the numbers make sense and to really know when you have an apartment deal. It's kind of important. So before we get started, uh, if you will, go to Kahuna Wealth Builders and download our Quick Start, Quick Start Workshop. You're going to need that. It's going to have lots of good information on how to find deals, which is what we're really talking about today, and how to find money, OPM, other people's money. You're going to need to know this, and it is very powerful when you can find other people's money too. So do those things for me, and then... Lastly, if you can be so kind, and I mean, I really appreciate the love when you go to iTunes and you actually take the time to give a positive review. You do not know how much that means to me. It's very, very important and close and dear to my heart. So let's get started on, you know, this is the third series in the six secret pillars for success. And this is the secret of how to analyze apartment deals and what that really means. So let me break it down for you this way. You know, how do you know you have a deal? And that's a really hard thing to understand and, and really focus in on when you're new to the game. Because, you know, the wonderful thing about multifamilies is it's all about the numbers. Numbers are everything. And if you put numbers into the right system, it's going to help spit out what a deal is and what it's not. So now in order to do an analyze numbers, so analyzing numbers, you've got to have a little bit of software. And I'm actually in the process right now of creating my own Kahuna underwriting template for you guys that is I'm going to make available. So it's not ready yet but I'm working on it hard to make sure I have something available so you can really use a tool that I, I'm taking the best of all the things that I use and throwing out the things that I don't like about the systems that I currently use. And I'm going to create a something really cool that's going to be really user-friendly. So, so we're not really going to go into like exactly what numbers are and how to use the tool or anything like that. But I want to give you some 50,000, uh, the 50,000 foot level of what makes an apartment deal a deal. And so we're going to use this by telling a couple examples of a couple different stories. 
And so there's two types of deals out there in my mind. There is what's called a momentum play. And what that means is that's the type of deal that you're going to buy that already is doing pretty good. It's pretty good. And you're going to make it a little bit better. And you're just going to carry on the momentum that the property currently has to really carry you along, carry you forward. And that's what's called the momentum play. And all you're doing is you're going to, you know, increase rents each and every uh, lease. And you're going to start adding value by doing some what I call micro repositioning or micro turns, meaning you're going to improve a little bit of the property here and there. You're not going to do a big rehab, but you're going to slowly start improving the insides of the apartments. Maybe it's just the outsides, right? It could be just it needs new greenery or all the, the bushes cut way down. It could mean that you need to mow the grass consistently each and every week. It could be a lot of things. But the main thing is that you have, you're improving the property over a period of time, and it doesn't need a whole heck of a lot. These are actually probably the best types of deals to get into when you're first starting because there is already some cash flow. In fact, a lot of times these properties will cash flow the day you buy them. And so... That is a really nice feature of this type of project or type of deal is that it provides a lot of safety in that it's already doing, you know, somewhat okay. The other type of deal is what's called a repositioning. And a repositioning play is really where you're going to do a very big rehab and take the property from a current state of probably disrepair to a whole nother level of repair, meaning it's all fixed up. And that's a repositioning. And usually when you do that, there's a lot of turnover. You're working on a lot of the buildings. And it's something that you need to make sure you have lots of cash in the bank or cash set aside for this project. And inherently, you can make a lot of money on these types of deals. They're very profitable. But at the same time, your risk goes up substantially um, on these deals. So it's something to be aware of. Now, I would never recommend doing a repositioning on your first play, on your first deal. I just think it's easier to cut your teeth on something that makes a little bit more sense on the cash flow. Because remember, we buy these apartment buildings not to do a fix and flip project, but to do a let's clean up, fix, and operate and make cash flow project. So cash flow is what it's really all about. And it really is what should drive you in all your decision makings in this process. So what does that first deal look like? What's that first momentum play deal look like? Well, I'm going to give you an example of a deal that I just bought. I say just bought. I think I bought it maybe almost six months ago. And we're now into operations for a while, and we'll, we'll talk about this deal. So this deal is called Forest Wood Apartments. It's in, uh, in New Orleans, and specifically Slidell. Slidell is kind of like the northeast part of uh, New Orleans, and it's just a little sub-market of that area. And so I bought this 94-unit apartment complex that really didn't have – it had all the – right things wrong, meaning it suffered 
from bad management. And it wasn't that it was that bad because the property when we bought it was already 92% occupied and they had a decent collections to where we were able to qualify for 80% leverage. Now, what does 80% leverage mean? It means that we were able to get a loan from the bank, from Freddie, Freddie Mac at 80% LTV. And that was important. And so then we only had to put 20% down and then we budgeted like $400,000 for capital improvements. So these are just the improvements that we needed to make. So why was this deal so attractive to us? Well, through our analyzation of the numbers, we analyzed it. We found that, A, they had a couple different expenses that were way out of whack. So let's talk about like the type of, you know, categories that you will look on. If you're looking at, a, say, a, a broker gives you a property packet or says, hey, here's a deal I want you to look at. So when they do that, they're going to give you normally what's called a property packet. And in this property packet, there's going to be a spot where they're going to give either pro forma or actuals, a place where they're going to give you the financial numbers to a project. And you're going to look at that and you're going to start determining and looking at, A, what their numbers are as to what you think your number should be. And by the way, when we get going on this, I'm going, when I give you my underwriting template, I'm also going to give you some rules of thumb as what your operating expenses should be. So you guys are going to really thank me for when I get this thing live because it's going to make a big difference in you'll know what your numbers need to be. So on this particular deal, though, when we were going through it, let's talk about like your operating expenses. So on the on the income side, let's talk about the income side first. There's, you know, your gross potential rents. These are that that's the total uh, number of rents that you can that you could collect if every unit was totally rented out and you got what your current market rate rent is so that's that then you're going to have your vacancy your vacancy is for the percentage of units that are not rented and you're going to you're going to usually determine this in a dollar amount then you're going to have what's called your total concessions this is like if you're giving, uh, you know, $100 off for your first month's rent or whatever concessions like that, that's called concessions. And then you're going to come up with what we call your total rental income. And then you're going to, and that's just for, just for rents. And then you have eventually, and then you're going to add, if you have like anything like what we would call other income, other income is like your washer and dryer facilities, like the coin money that you're going to get collect from there. Anything that's out of the normal, like any vendor machines that you have for soda pops, things like that. And then we also have what we call rubs income or residential utility billbacks. And that's other income as well. And so you're finally going to reach what you call total income. Total income is all the income that that property generates in a year so you got to know that next let's talk about our operating expenses and like kind of what categories are usually in that and then i'm going to tell the story of this forest wood apartment so on our operating side we have things like this we have salaries 
and salaries is going to be that's going to be your most expensive line item most of the time besides maybe sometimes insurance or uh, utilities is not always is not close but usually your biggest expense that you have on any property is guess what it's payroll it's the people that work for your property the next thing you're going to have is your advertising now at our property we usually don't do very much advertising at all we rely heavily upon free advertising and the internet and some other things and that really helps us out quite a bit and in fact it does well enough to where we normally don't spend very much money on advertising at all next line item is maintenance now maintenance can be a beast uh, this is where you know you're going to have the turns of your property so as your property people are moving in and out you've got to go back and recondition these things and make them right and then along the way you're going to also have things that break well this is called maintenance so you're going to have a maintenance line you're also going to have an office admin administrative line this is for like your phones your computer systems your um anything to do with like some travel or your management company traveling to the property uh, that's going to be a line item then you're going to have your management fees this is a line item because you got to pay that management company a percentage of your gross collected rents and then you're going to have things like utilities utilities is normally you're like your water sewer trash it could be all the common area electric that you're going to have to spend and believe me you wouldn't think that you'd have a very high electric but on some properties it's super super high um, one of the things that we always try to watch when we're looking at properties is if the utilities like the water bill is just abnormally high. We've been able to reduce our expenses tremendously on a lot of properties that we buy just by like going and looking at all the toilets on our property. Let's say you have 144 doors. That's 144 toilets, sometimes even more than that. And if you've got a bunch of toilets that are slowly leaking very silently, you are throwing money down the drain. So it's very important that when you first take over properties, that the first thing you do is make sure that all your toilets are not leaking water because it can get very, very costly. And that's a one way that we really save money at our properties. The other thing we do is we do a water conservation. So if we've got really big toilets uh tanks we're gonna make it to where those tanks are not cannot fill up with as, as much water and that is going to tremendously help our our water problem too just by how much water gets flushed every time the handle's pushed um, these are little things that you can do on the property level that makes so much so much difference and can really add to the bottom line um, another line item that you're going to have is insurance insurance is something that we all have to pay and we find that we try to be what I would call overly insured on our properties. We really, because we raise, and I'm gonna teach you how to raise other people's money. When you do this, you just wanna make sure that you have your private monies back at all times. You should strive to make sure that they're in such a great position that they never have to worry. And so part of the way we do that is not only with just property insurance and getting really good insurance that way, but having umbrella um, policies uh, for each, every property and to make sure all the additional insureds are added in that total umbrella policy. 
So it's very important. And the last thing that you're going to have is taxes. Every uh, city, state, county, they're going to get theirs. And so, and this is one of the mistakes that I see a lot of rookie operators make and that they assume that the taxes that uh, are currently being paid by the owner is the, the taxes they're going to pay. And by and large, that's never the case. Most of the times after year one, the city or state is going to get very smart and they're going to assess your property. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get slapped with a new tax bill and you're not going to like it. So you better have budgeted it in your underwriting. And so after all that's all said and done, we get to take the total operating income and we su subtract it from the operating expenses, from the expenses. And so what you're going to have left over is your NOI or your net operating income. This is the amount of money that your property is going to make in a year. And so then after you have that amount of money, now we got to deduct some certain things that you're going to have which is your loan. And we call that in this business, we call it debt service. So you're going to subtract your debt service. And usually, not only do you have a debt service, you almost banks, almost all banks will have you uh, establish what we call a reserve account. And this is the amount of money they're going to take every year or every, uh, really every month on top of what you pay um for your payment, they're going to take a reserve and you only get this reserve as if you turn in what we call capital improvement expenses. And so when you get those two numbers totally deducted, you're finally going to get to the number that I look for and I cherish when it's a nice fat number called CFBT or cash flow before taxes. And so I'm looking to try to see if I can operate my properties with the biggest amount of CFBT because cash flow before taxes, that's money that goes into my account. And it always makes me feel a little bit better no matter where I am in the day. So those are the things that you should look for in an operating statement. And they're gonna, you're going to start seeing a lot of it. And we'll talk about it more and how to navigate and really look at and dial in a what a operating agreement should look like and what your numbers should look like. But let's talk about forest wood investing and why this momentum play was so attractive to us. So when we first looked at this property, all the numbers were pretty darn good. The property was running at 94% um, occupancy, meaning so it had 6% vacancy. It had a gross potential rent of $813,000 for the year. And really, we, we looked at, after we had vacancy and a total concession losses, it was making a total income of around $776,000. And it was pretty good. But where we really saw the opportunity in this deal, and this is, when I say most properties suffer from either management or some deferred maintenance, and a lot of times it's both. So what we found is this operator was not that efficient. In fact, he was mainly, I think, a dentist and a dentist with a dentist group. And so he wasn't really a trained 
professional real estate investor. And he was kind of doing it on the side. And this happens a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Or sometimes, you know, we'll find guys that are really good fix and flippers and they'll buy an apartment complex and they'll do all the repairs, but they're not really great at operating tenants and people. And those usually are really good finds. So in this particular property, though, um, they had they had budgeted they had been spending around ninety six thousand dollars in salaries, and so but we budgeted one hundred and two, so we actually were a little bit higher in our um, salaries. But where we found some really great opportunity was in their maintenance. They had spent the previous year one hundred and ten thousand dollars in maintenance. And we were budgeting 74000 Now, why is that? Why was there such a difference? Almost $35,000 in, in difference in budget. Well, what we found out through a lot of research and when we had our due diligence on the property was that the seller or the seller of that property was overpaying on a lot of their items. So we looked at their paint bills and their suppliers and things like that. And they didn't have the relationships that we have with our vendors, even though they're the same vendors most of the time. How crazy is that? So sometimes it's not, you know, uh, what you know, it's who you know or how well you know them. And we found that our relationships with our certain paint contractors and with other vendors yielded us a much better price on the same items. And that's crazy as it sounds, but I mean, that was, it was crazy true. And it, for us, it revealed opportunity, opportunity that we could absolutely take advantage and we could capitalize on it if we did this thing right. So that was one item that we were really able to like lock in and say, hey, there's $35,000. We can save almost immediately when we buy this property. The second thing though was, in the office admin. Now office admin is almost like one of those budget items where you would budget almost $1,000 per door. I mean $100 per door. And so in this instance, uh, I think we had, this was like 94 doors, so it'd be like $9,400. We'd actually budgeted $11,000 for office admin. But the previous owner had spent seventy-four thousand dollars office admin so we're looking at this number and it does not make any sense and the only thing that we could come up with in uh, what all the research that we did is that they had hired some additional personnel instead of putting the personnel and salaries and related they had them in office admin and i think this was like to cover the cost of a cpa doing their books and so the just number was way bloated by almost $60,000. And so we knew right away that that was a great opportunity for us. And so all the other numbers kind of jive pretty much the same. Um, and, you know, we didn't really have much discrepancy in, in most of the other items. And, you know, so it penciled for us. Now we saw opportunity just immediately that we could, we could almost that, the two things I just mentioned were almost um, equivalent to $100,000 in like income-related things. So what our number spit it out was in, instead of having $264,000 of net operating income, 
Our budget showed us that we had almost $364,000 of net operating income, making our deal very, very sweet because we're buying it based on the current NOI, not on what we think we can do. And I'm happy to report, now we've owned this property for almost eight months now, and it is performed uh, like to the T. In fact, not just to the T, but like way better than what we had, had even dreamed or hoped for. We're currently getting like $15 uh, additional income for every renewal that we have. So like every time, usually like when we propose a, when we're looking at it, what we call performa. So this is the year over year rent growth that we're looking to achieve. That normally is around 3%. So if you had a $550 uh, rent, um, that was the rent for a two-bedroom, and you wanted to increase it 3%, that is $16, right? So by us getting a $50 rent growth, we're automatically getting our 3% increase. And honestly, no one's going to move from your property for $15 more a month year over year on a lease. Just no, it, it, it's cost prohibitive to do that. Now, that's on what we call releasing. So if someone's in our unit, we don't want them to move out. It's way expensive for someone to move out and replace it with a new tenant. It's much more manageable most of the time, unless a rent increase is way out there. We would much rather just give them a $15 rent increase because the cost of turning the unit and making it like new is going to usually be between two, you know, 15 to $2,000, depending on what kind of shape it, it's in. And so by getting that $15 um, uh, increase, man, it sig significantly raises the value of your property. But here's the other thing. So normally we're going to increase and have a, what we call a renewal rate of around 60 to 65%, meaning more than half of all the tenants that live on our property are going to release with us and stay another year. And if, the higher we can make that number, the, it gets better for us because that means we're not spending lots of money to fix the property and make it ready for a turn, rent ready. And by doing this effectively at that 65% now, the ones that do move out because of the job or the relocation or whatever that they can't control now we get to rent those at the new market rent rate. And so typically with our property right now, we're almost getting $100 increases in the current rents. Guys, that's like insanely good, $100. So now what does that really mean? So let's just look at it this way. If we had 100 units, okay, 100 units, and all we did was get a $15 increase, each and every year or each and every month, not each and every month for, for a year, but so that's $1,500 for a month times 12 months. Cause we're going to rent the property out for 12 months. That's $18,000. So $18,000 is not bad. That's a decent amount of money, but let me show you what happens when we put the power of a, um, a cap rate. So on this particular property, we bought it at a seven and a half cap. So well, let's just use that seven and a half cap rate. So we're gonna we're gonna take that eighteen thousand dollars and we're gonna divide it by uh, seven and a half percent. 
that's $240,000. So every time we increase our property value by $16,000, we're going to get, or hold on, did I just do the math wrong? 550 times 3% or 15. <laughs> hey, I'm not the best at numbers, so bear with me for just a minute. 100 units times $15 increase is $1,500 times 12 is 18000 So for every $18,000, we're going to get $240,000. Are you kidding me? That is like money. So every year, if we hold this property for five years times five, that's $1.2 million we're going to do, we're going to make on top of, of the profits that we're already making. We're going to create this in value just by raising the rents a stupid $15 a month. This is a, this is a nuisance raise, increase in rents. I mean, and so on some of our units, though, we're getting $100. Can you imagine what the math is on 100 bucks? It's, it's good, let me tell you. That's what it is. And so we're doing that on our property. So we're, when the, with the renewals, we're getting a $15 raise. And with new leases, we're getting almost $100 in increased rents. Guys, that is a formula. That's, that is a moment of play that will make you so much money that all you're going to do is smile from ear to ear. This is the type of deal that I'm talking about that I want to teach you how to find because it is absolutely that easy to operate. Now, I'm operating this thing. This property is in uh, New Orleans, and I live here in Phoenix, Arizona. So how much work am I doing? Well, I'm not doing a lot. You know why? Because I took the time to vet a great property management company that's going to use their systems because that's what I'm buying from them. I'm buying their systems to go and operate the property effectively. So what's my point here? My point is this. If you're going to do your first deal, I'm not saying that you can't do a repositioning play. But I'm telling you right now, it's a lot easier sometimes to get your foot wet with a nice momentum play. It's not as sexy it's not like, oh, I'm going to make $5 million. But let me tell you, when's the last time you made $1.2 million, real simply, and didn't have to like have cold sweats in the middle of the night? See, that's what a momentum play is for you. It's a, just a nice, solid deal that you don't have to like worry and that you can feel real comfortable in the progress of a property. Now, what if you did two to three deals like that a year. What do you think that would do for your life? It would change it, my friend. It would be radically different. And that's the power of multifamily apartments investing and, and the way it can work for you. So um, guys, that is the power of analyzing the deals. And it's really the secret is to look for ways to find great, places where other people are, are messing it up. So remember, most properties suffer from one or two things, or really it's always a combination of both, which is bad management and deferred maintenance. So if you can go take a property and fix up some of the simple things that are wrong, and then couple that with 
a great management team and systems. It's the team and systems that give you the consistency that all your tenants desires. Because every tenant that I know always wants the same things. They want the cleanest, safest, most affordable place that they can get for the money they make. So you can, if you can offer that up to your demographic, man, you will win and you'll win big and it'll make you look like a king. And it's really, it's not that much, you know, it seems like it's a really hard thing, but it's not. And there's management companies that know how to do this. And all you got to do is vet them and ask them all the right questions. In other episodes coming up, we're going to go over how to vet your manager, how to manage the manager. But this was really the secret on how to analyze apartment deals. And I just gave you probably the best one that you'll ever need, which is to find a great momentum play for your first deal. So we're going to wrap this one up. This is episode, I think, number four. And do me a favor. go If you haven't done it yet, go back to Kahuna Wealth Builders and go get my um, quick start workshop. You're going to need that. And then also, if you'd be so kind, and I'm asking this from my heart because I really, truly believe that if you give, you get more. And go out there and give me a positive review on iTunes. I really appreciate it, and I would thank you for it. So, guys, hey, listen, stay tuned to our next episode where we're going to be talking about how to make offers, the secret to making offers that get accepted by brokers. All right? You guys have a wonderful day, and we'll, look see, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks a lot, and have a wonderful day.